Well, it's good to see uh, those that have been able to make it out this morning and uh, all the news that has come along. We are going to continue our study with eschatology. This is our second week in the study. And I'd like for us to take our Bibles and we're going to turn to John chapter 8 for our beginning this morning. Now last week, uh, the notes that are in the back allowed us to go into uh, the very end of Acts chapter 3. But in John chapter 8, we are taking a look at the things that are written in the Scripture. And uh, as we look to these things that are written in Scripture, we want to make sure that there is a clear understanding. Last week, one of the things that I found that I tried to use was the simple understanding and the simple teaching is the best for what we need to do. Now, in verse 32, uh, let's go back to verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed not, believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, I bring that verse to uh, the topic today, and I want us to understand the things that are written for this very reason. We serve a God who has planned it all. You know, there's a beautiful song, He Planned It All. And, you know, the reality is, is that when we take a look at the, the earth, we don't know exactly uh, the expectation when God created the earth, but we do know that in the process of what we call time, not God calling it time, but what we now know is time, God created the earth. Now, I want you to think about this. And it, yet in the infinity or in the ability of His mind, the omniscience of his mind, the knowledge that he should, be, he should be able to be bestowed, he pointed out every little detail from the beginning of his spoken word to the very end of the book of Revelation, there is a steady plan that goes all the way through. Now, on the outside, if I was to take and draw the line and say, this represents God's plan, on both sides, we would find all the growth population increase, and then we come to the flood. Then we see a steady, continual growth again of the population. And as we are looking at the steady growth of the population, we're now at that place and that time on the earth where that we are seeing 8 billion souls. I remember this, is that I had a discussion not too long ago with my oldest son. And he said, you know, Dad, he said, there's going to come a time where there's going to be a struggle for food. And I thought this was an interesting point. He goes, think about this, Dad. He said, there's not enough food that's being generated for everyone upon the planet right now. And he said, so whether we have petroleum, whether we have all the other things, he goes, who is going to be the one to first gain access to the food? Is it going to be restaurants? Is it going to be grocery stores? You know, where is the process of that going to occur? And it's an interesting statement. Now, one of the things I pointed out to him, I said, God has the complete control of it all. So while we may struggle, and really when we get to the book of Revelation, according to the tribulational period, what we are accustomed to is going to be snatched away. 
and we want to make sure we understand that accustomed uh, area. So I want us to look at this. We are going to be examining the truth when it comes to the eschatological position that we hold to. And again, this demands that we study and we prepare ourselves accordingly. But let's go to the Lord in prayer, asking for his guidance and his direction. Again, Lord, I want to thank you for the blessings that you allow us to have today as we search your word out and to know the things that you've given us. We thank you for those that are tuning in and listening to uh, this study along with us. Lord, we don't want to seem to be controversial, but any time that the word of God is open, there is a matter of controversy. We have those that want us to stay under the, the influences of the law. We have those that uh, want to skirt the outsides of the scripture and add to or take away from. We have those that question the very word of God. We have those that, that question what we, we believe about eschatology. We have those that question salvation. And yet, Lord, we don't have the right to make changes to your word. You are immutable. Those two things come hand in hand, Lord. The plan that you have for this earth is an immutable plan. It's not going to change. You're not sitting up there making alterations to the word or to your plan as people come to this earth. Father, we know that what you have set is better than concrete because it affects everyone upon this earth. We can take the very word of God and we can proclaim it as it sets, as it stands, and it still abides as it did 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked upon the earth. It still abides with us today. And help us, dear Father, to understand the things that you give us. So lead us and bless, dear Father. Help us to understand the things that you write in the word. Lord, let us seek thy word and let us study your word and we will rejoice in you. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Now, as we begin today, I want to share something with you. Uh, first of all, those that are that are tuning in today, we heard the devastating news about Sister Dreamer passing on in the night, but she's in a far better place by God's grace if her faith and confidence is truly in the Lord. But I want you to think about this for a moment. We are living in a world, and I shared this with Sister Jamie as, uh, right before services began. And I said, here's the sad part. So many people think that they're smarter than God's word. Now think about this for a moment. God does not change, not for you, not for me, not for anybody upon this earth. I may ask God to accept a particular thing in my life and say, Lord, would you just accept it? If God allowed one thing in his plan for me or for you or anyone else for that matter, then that plan would oftentimes, or it would have to be modified all the way from the beginning. Now, the truth of the matter is this. As I read the Word of God, as you read the Word of God, if we come to something that we don't have a complete understanding, it requires of us to study it. It doesn't give us carte blanche to turn around and change our position or what we believe in. Now, I want you to know this. I took the time many, many years ago, and I want you to know this, when I was 26 years of age, I was getting ready to come out of the Air Force, a little church that was in North Carolina asked me if I would become their pastor. I stated this, I'll read it to you, I'll state it again. There was two things that I was not settled upon. One was church perpetuity, and the other one was upon eschatology. Now, those two things have a common core, because you see, 
if I do not hold to the church perpetuity, then I can accept Reformation. I can accept any other belief and say, see, that's there. I can accept the Catholic Church as being the first congregation. And that has nothing to do with the things of God. But if I truly believe in a church perpetuity, I do believe in I believe that from and so we don't need to we don't need to make changes to the church. What we need to do is understand what God has given. You know, I can appreciate some of the things that the Presbyterians hold to, but I cannot side with them when it comes to everything that they study. The same thing goes with Lutheranism and everything else. And this may shock you. There are some Catholics that I truly believe are saved. And you say, well, how in the world can you say that, Brother Prater? If you've ever read Chinoquy, you'll understand that he struggled with letting go of the And when he was saved, he went into Presbyterianism. That, that's just a common truth. And he lived in the 1800s. The reality is, is that if I these things, then I need to study. And the common truth is not an in your it's a common truth. Now, here's what I shared with Jamie. Earlier, I made this statement uh, when I preached this past uh, Friday, a, a funeral service down in uh, Somerset, Kentucky. And while I was down there, the one of the things that came up was the idea of where people search for the truth. And I a lot of times, and I've worked with a lot of young people in my life, and it's amazing that when they're 14 years old, something happens to their brain. I mean, suddenly it's like, I know better than my parents. I know better than everybody else. And they will take their advice from someone in the same state they're in. So what I tell these young people is I'll say, would you take the advice of a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old? I'll say, would you take the advice of a 12-year-old? And they'll say, well, no, that's crazy. Why would I do it? I say, well, what about a 13-year-old? Mm, probably not. I said, okay. But you'll listen to another 14-year-old in the same state you're in, and they're the ones that you're going to listen to. And then suddenly it's like they're nodding their head over like the dog that you're trying to talk to and to get you to understand. And I say, two years ago, that child or that person that you're listening to was 12 years of age. How did they get so smart in two years? The same thing holds true when it comes to salvation. There will be people upon this earth that they will ask this person and that person and that person and that person and they will try to come up with their own is when we go into the world we need to tell the world there's only one Same thing holds true, and I want you to see this. In John chapter 14, let's go over there for a moment, and I want you to hear what Jesus said to Thomas. We're going to read verses 5 and 6 together. And after Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me, which is verses 1 through 4. We can go back and read that if we want. Notice that Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know. That's doubting Thomas. He is the same Thomas that says, what, what do you mean we know the way? 
Jesus said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to go to the Father. That's where those mansions are. I'm going to prepare a place and you're going to come be with me. Thomas says, I, I, I don't get it. What do you mean? Jesus' answer. And it seems like an obscure answer until we really get into it. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. Get this. My way is the true way. I am the way, the truth. My way is well lived. And it brings life. Look what it says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want to know how to get to the Father? Then look at Jesus and examine him clearly. And if we understand who Jesus is, all of these things will come into place. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. This is a great responsibility. And the great responsibility is really to sit down and study these things together. And may I point this out to you, this ties in a little bit to what our second message will be today. And reality is, is that if I'm going to be looking at what Christ wants from me, I've got to dig into the Word of God, I've got to study the Word of God for myself, and I have to see if it falls in line with the other parts of the Word of God. Look what it says in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love. Now, you know there's a lot of times we do not speak the truth in love, we speak with a battering ram or with a hammer. I cannot force someone to believe the truth. I remember years ago, the one thing that somebody said that really made me question my own faith, and this was many, many years ago, was I was witnessing to this man, I was witnessing to this man, and I have a tendency when I tell others of Christ that I will point or will open up my hands. That's only been recent. I used to point one finger. And I made, and, and this man was listening to me until I pointed my finger and I said, and if we don't trust in Christ, we'll bust hell wide open. And I pointed my finger at him and goes, if I go to hell, you'll go with me. Now, I went back home and I, I sat down in my chair and I thought everything through and I tried to listen to what I had just said to this man. And the one thing that kept coming to my mind, did I speak to him with love or did I speak to him with a hammer? You cannot look at somebody and say, you've got to believe. Look what it says in verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, the word
Brown. And you know, Alexander Campbell did this unto um, small Baptist churches many, many years ago. He would sneak in and he would go, well, well, can I just stand up and teach? Why? Now I'm going to show you where we can do the same thing in our own churches. Many times people do not believe in wine in the Lord's Supper. And immediately they say, well, you just came to America and knew the truth. Look what it says. Till we come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We teach these things not to let the say this. I, I am really thankful to this church that you took your time to, to select the pastor. I'm very humbled that you would select me. But you took the time to say, does this person that has candidated for our church, do they really know what they believe? And here's the reason that's so important. is because whether it's a big congregation or a little man to be the leadership. Look what else it says. And ca and carried away with every window they long way to deceive. But go in but speaking the truth in love, may go and all which is the head, even Christ. We have a that the church will continue on, that the church will be strong, that the church will go forward. So it is our responsibility to dedicate our study and to fully dedicate to it, though trials may come. I want to show you something here. Let's go to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Daniel, chapter 6. Now, I know I speak rather fast, and I'm, I'm showing you quite a few verses, but I want you to get the, the whole aspect of what we're looking at. In Daniel, chapter 6, remember that the original concept, the original message, the original thing that came down was that Daniel had asked God to show him the same dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Remember that? And when Nebuchadnezzar's dream was given to Daniel, Daniel spent the rest of his life trying to understand every aspect of it. I want you to get this. Look at verse 10 for a moment. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, 
he went into his house, and, and his windows were open in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Now, why is this important? Though Daniel was perplexed by the message that was given him, he nonetheless continued to serve God. When those around him began to question and began to find ways to trip up Daniel. Daniel still went in and he prayed. You know what's going to happen amongst us? I guarantee you I post a lot of things out on the internet. And not only that, but this message goes out on the internet as well. There are going to be those of the week. And maybe they'll tear me down. I'll tell you one of the things that's really hurt as of late. I don't know who these people are, and I haven't got a, haven't got a clue. They'll turn around and they'll say, Oh, I really enjoyed what you wrote. How about uh, inviting me to be your friend? And it's always a woman. I don't know these women from Sand Hill. And no, I have not invited them to be a friend. Why? Because I just know Satan is doing everything in his power to trip me up. I watch some, some lady will be dressed up as an old woman and she'll want me to do it. Yeah, we're not going to do that. By God's grace, I've got to know his protection and be willing to submit unto his protection. So as before time, we find that Daniel continued. Also look at this. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And I love this verse as well. If we want to know the fullness of what God has given, I think and I believe with all my heart that this is the place that we're going to see the revelation. Now watch what I'm saying in verse 9. I, John. Now this is John, not the Baptist, the Apostle John, the Beloved is what he's often called, also called the Revelator here. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word testimony of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 10. And I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Isn't that good? Why was he in the Spirit on the Lord's day? Because we celebrate Sunday as the resurrected day. We no longer have to hold to the Sabbath and the Jewish laws that pertain to the Sabbath. Though in the reality, the word Sabbath just means holy. That means holy day. So we keep this day holy, and there was an assemblance of everybody that came together, and John was just rejoicing. Can one person rejoice? <laughs> Many years ago when I was in the Air Force, uh, everybody goes that, that if you're in the Air Force, you go through basic training down at Lackland Air, Airplane Patch. And I remember I was in Lackland, and it was a Sunday morning, and everybody else had to go out, and I had to standing there and I with a locked door and I made sure that it was there and God gave me the best message and I preached it loud everything that's in you one's the bathroom and the other one is going to be in an empty barracks and it resonated it never occurred to me or I forgot from time to time they would tune in and listen to what was going on in the barracks and I have no doubt that they came in and they probably heard me preaching to myself. Disagreement with it. And no one disagreed with me. And suddenly there was one man that knocked on the door wanting to make access. 
And of course, I um, followed the protocol, followed the procedure, and he came in, he looked around, he's looking, he goes, is there a radio up here? I said, no, sir, no radio. And he was right, there was no radio. And he left, and I kept preaching. You know what's really heart hurtful? Many times, instead of rejoicing on the Lord's Day, we sorrow when we're by ourselves. Do you realize we're not by ourselves? We, we may be small in number, but whether there's two or three, and we're gathered in the presence of God, He is in our midst. Here's the thing that I find so beautiful. I want to know what He wants for me to know. Finally, let's go to Matthew chapter 24 before our new series of notes. Matthew chapter 24, and let's go down to verse 1. Matthew 24, verse 1. Now, we're going to be spending a great amount of time when it comes to the, um, the messages that we find that are here. Hello, sister. And in Matthew chapter 24, notice that Jesus is leaving the temple, and as he goes out, he makes this statement. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. In other words, hey, Lord, let us show And Jesus makes this statement. And Jesus saith unto them, See all these things, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here. And it, what, what a lot of people don't realize is that on this temple, because it was so magnificent, they put a crown of pure gold all the way around the top of the temple. When, when they began to burn the city, the gold creeped down the walls and seeped inside the, the mortar of the rocks. The greedy to have some discussion. The disciples they're asking specific questions. Look what it says. Tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. Those chapter 24, leading on into 25. The hard part is base their eschatology upon the chronological events that don't exist. There are some many answers that we're going to be looking at when we get into this particular area, but I want us to know exactly what the Word of God says. So let's go ahead and let's take our next notes, and notice we're in the same passage, Matthew chapter 24, and let's go down to verse 30, and we're going to read down to verse 44. And this is called the promise. Now, by the way, let me just stop here for a second. For those that are tuning in, either by Facebook or by um, message, you know, either by the radio or whatever. If you are interested and you want to know a little bit more about what we present and you'd like to have a copy of these notes, just ask me and I will email you these notes. So I have to have your email. But if I have your email, I can send you these notes. And we never know who's going to be listening. 
Just so that everybody knows, I got an interesting phone call the other day. It was by Brother Bob Patton, one, our former pastor. And he said, I really enjoyed the message. And I was wondering, which one? And he was talking about eschatology. There's a lot of people in this world that they want to know the eschatological proofs that we find in the Bible. Well, this is what we're going to get into today, beginning with verse 30. Notice what it says. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all And he shall, see, he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the other. Now let's stop here for a moment. Does that sound far to you? And here's the question a lot of times people will ask. How can something, or how can something exist so How many of you have ever seen an angel unawares. How many of you have seen and you thought you saw a person but you then turned to check and make sure? I remember I was a boy living in Burlington, Ohio many, many years ago. Oh my goodness, I was about seven years of age. Maybe six years of age, I don't remember. And I thought... There was nobody there. If God that quickly, why do we ignore it? Oh, you know, it, it, that, that's just a figment of your imagination, really. The reality is, is that if we are going to be blessed, we don't know who is an angel and who's not. I, I'm going to give you an example of something that's it's totally far-fetched, but it, just bear with me. We are more like we are angels. We are. And we think, oh my goodness, you know, how wonderful it is that we have elves. No, no, we have angels. And I always go back to that one part where Elisha says to his servant, man, you haven't seen anything yet. God! Here's the thing that's interesting. How many of you have ever seen a nanosecond? A nanosecond. I have seen nanoseconds. The first computer I ever worked upon ran at nanosecond speed. And reality is, that's a long time. And, and I remember that we had to take a and we would tune it down until we could see the nanosecond. And do you know that as we stretched out the nanosecond, we could see the whole period of time. That was called a nanosecond. You see, we only think of a second. How many of us have ever thought about half a second? Now, we never really thought about it, but nowadays, do you know, with modern technology, a swim is measured in tenths of seconds. Michael Phelps actually holds the record for his swimming prowess in, in one event, one-tenth faster than the person that came in second. One-tenth. How do we measure one-tenth? We call it a photo finish. Reality is that as quick as 
never be faster than what we can visualize on this planet. Well, imagine if that nanosecond was stretched out and the Lord appears in the east. Do you realize in less than a second he can come all the way around the planet and start back in the east? And everybody will see. Well, that sounds kind of interesting, really. Television will broadcast it and it will be seen around the globe. How many of y'all remember that white sedan that traveled all across California because there was a person that was inside that was trying to escape? We saw it, did we not? Shake your head. His name was O.J. Simpson. And so did Japan and so did Germany and so did the rest of the world. How can that be? God knew at the very beginning that all these things would come to pass. Let's continue on, shall we? And he sent, and he shall send his angels with a shout, with a great shout of a trumpet, or a great sound of a trumpet, and then and they shall be gathered together, his elect, from the four winds and from the end of the earth to the other. In other words, just that quickly, there shall be the gathering of the saints. Now, Lord apparently as well. When his branches get tender and putteth forth leaves, you shall know that summer is nigh. So likewise at the doors. Verily I tell you, this generation shall not pass till all things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my work shall not but the day Then shall two be at the field, and one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, and the other shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what seen in Jerusalem first. Now a lot of people wonder why Jerusalem? Here's what's interesting. If I was to draw a line in Jerusalem and I go to the west, do you realize that all the written cultures of the west literally write from left to right? But all the cultures that are to the east of it write from right to left. Or from left to right. Now the reality is is that if this is something that is so simple for us to not understand, how is it that we can try to grasp even the greater concept of it? Now, did the Lord tell us that, that we would not know the day? No, he said that you don't know the exact hour, so there's no way we can speculate when the Lord will return. But there are hints that we are finding in Scripture, and that's what we're going to be getting into as we study eschatology. Let me point this out to you. If you really want to understand the coming of the Lord, understand Leviticus chapter 23. Go back and read it. In Leviticus chapter 23, two of the major events have already occurred. One of them is called Passover. 
Right behind Passover is the second event called Pentecost. Those two things have already happened. There is also and the Feast of Tabernacles, and they are going to happen as well. Now, they have not occurred, and there's nothing associated with Jesus Christ with those two events. Those are the four major holidays that we've got to look at. Now, with that in mind, I want us to consider this. There is, first of all, the reference to Noah. Now, I want you, here's, here's the thing that really bothers me. People will... So, understand the significance of what the Lord is saying. So, go back to verse 30. Notice that it says, in the churches. I remember that one of the ladies uh, of the church I pastored at in California, there was a congregation of people. And when the pastor got up to preach, he was preaching in the middle of the service, and bang! There was two or three people left in the entire congregation. Wouldn't it scare me if we knew that we were leaving anyone I, I listened to Adrian Rogers, and I don't know how many of you ever heard of Adrian Rogers, but he was, I want to say he was around Memphis, Tennessee. He's now gone home to be with the Lord. And he made the most wonderful statement this past week. And he made this question, he goes, how many of you are afraid to die? And I, I thought, I'm not afraid to die, I'm going to die. He said, let me tell you something. You will not know how to live until you know how to die. Boy, isn't that true? Isn't that true? Because you see, death teaches us the finality of life upon this earth. I preached this past week, as I said, a funeral service, and the whole time that I preached, there was wailing, there was crying, and I thought, if, and this was supposed to be a celebration. By the way, if I pass on before you, go ahead and celebrate. Go ahead and celebrate. Preach the Word of God. I've thought about having my message already written up and letting somebody else preach it, but I'll leave that for another preacher. But if you want to have a celebration, That, to me, is a celebration. Now, that may sound irreverent. But again, think about the joy that is in the Lord. Do you realize that when that time comes, then shall be the joy that we experience with the Lord? And here's the thing that's also interesting to me. We're only 6,000 years old on this earth. 
How fast has 6,000 years occurred? I'm 67. I remember a little bit of my events. I don't remember much. But in eternity, I shall remember it all. So the Lord's willing, we'll pick up here next week and we'll continue on with our study as we are looking at the promise as we see it in eschatology. Lord, thank you again for your opportunities to bless and may we learn these things so that we can rejoice together in you. So lead us, bless and direct now. In Christ we pray and amen. So we're going to be dismissed. God bless you all.